that. Wouldn't be any way in the world I could love him without his divine grace and love. There. Now. I uh, have thought when we were requesting prayer for Sister Mary, she has endured a lot and been a and is a good child of God and she asked me one time said I don't know why the Lord just don't take me and I said well I, I know because there's nobody to take your place and we need you so if all of us started when we get a little age on us started asking that why and many times we do, but we have to look around and see who makes up the church. What's going to happen if God calls us away? What's going to happen to this assembly? So that lets us know that God is waiting for us to do something and getting some younger people in, and because he wants us to have a church... He just keeps all us old heads alive. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Just waiting for somebody to make up their mind that God is better than this world. I want you to turn with me to uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians 4. I was thinking of Brother Lee's testimony and I thought how real it is and that one of these days maybe we can get past the even the uh, servant stage because Jesus said to his growing and learned disciples that he said I no longer call you servants but friends, because a servant knoweth not what he Lord doeth. And so when we get to the place to where we can get past the servant and grow enough, he'll call us friends and then he'll begin to reveal things to us that's hid from us now. And won't that be a glorious time when he says, you're my friend, and now then nothing is going to be, be withheld from you. I'm going to reveal to you what is going to happen in these last days that you're living in. So I'm looking forward to the day when I can graduate past being a servant and be a learned scholar and an individual that he has talked to and become a friend to Jesus. Now I realize we say we are a friend of the Lord, but he indicated that as long as we're servants, we don't know what he's doing. But he really indicated that once we become friends, he's going to reveal to us what he's doing. And I find a few revelations along God's way, but I don't find as many as I'd like. This world is enshrouded in mystery, evil, all the things that the Bible said for centuries was going to happen are happening now. And they are going to continue to happen, okay, until Jesus comes. And I want to be aware 
if God allows me a few more years, I want to be aware so that when God talks to me as a friend, why then he can share with me what he's going to do the next day or the next year or the next week. And as long as I can grow in him, I believe that's possible. And the more growth I get and the more following after the new mind and the divine nature that I can follow after, the more revelations that God is going to give me and going to give you also. It's not limited necessarily to the ministry. Uh, God reveals things even into every individual. I want to begin reading at, let's start at the first verse, because Paul is going to begin to wind things up in the eighth verse, which I want to end with. And he says, Therefore, my brother, dearly beloved, and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eurydice, and Synthyche, that which they be in the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with others my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. If you'll ever notice, there is very few women's names that have been called out. Because in that day, women wasn't recognized like they are today. And so the Apostle Paul is just simply saying, I may not call your name. It might be a uh, uh, no-no thing. But he said, I want you to pray for them because their names are in the book of life. And after all, isn't that what is important? That your name be in the book of life. And so he's letting them know that there has been women that have labored with him in the gospel. And they labored also with Clement, and labored also with many of his fellow laborers. Their names are written in the bank, Lamb's Book of Life. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Anytime it is repetition, it is important. Okay? Let your moderation be knowing unto, knowing unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, or have good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. We have, with my wife's help, we have begun writing another book, and it's going to be entitled, Think on These Things. Different excerpts of my ministry and different things that we have thought, and after each one we would invite individuals to think on these things. 
It's very important that we think on what God has to say in our lives. So we had ministered and ended off there. We have been talking about the uh, Adamic nature versus the divine nature. And uh, from the time of Adam's fall into the time of Jesus Christ and his coming back again, there was only one nature in humanity, and that nature was Adam's nature, which followed after the things of Adam. And so Christ comes, realizing this nature that we put on during Adam's fall would not ever inherit the kingdom of God. He veils himself in human flesh and comes and takes upon himself the sins of all humanity and mounts the cross of sin and shame and dies for us there. The Bible says, Cursed is everyone that is hanged on a tree. And Jesus was hanged on a tree, but he was not cursed. We were the ones that were cursed because he hanged there for us. And so he took our place in death. He took our place in burial, and he took our place in resurrection. And also through that, he invited before he left for the individuals, 500 as it were, to go to Jerusalem where they would be endued with power from on high, and of all of that, 120 went, and they were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, which was, in a sense, the divine nature of God. It was his nature. I mean, uh, God came and shared with us a portion of his nature. And, of course, that being so, then we took on a divine nature, the nature of God. But by the same token, we still have the old Adamic nature, and therefore the war only began when we took on the divine nature. I've had individuals to tell me that I never had any problems till God filled me with His Spirit, and I thought, I wonder why. You know, there wasn't any warfare there at all. You just did what old nature told you to do, and you never... Felt any condemnation because that's the only nature you had. That's the only nature a lot of the world has. They don't have the divine nature, and so naturally they do what flesh wants them to do. But I said the warfare only began when you took on the divine nature, and Paul puts it very clearly, and so do the other writers, and also down to the, uh, the writers of the Old Testament, let us know that there was going to be a time when the flesh warred against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and they were contrary to each other. And so we have been led to believe down through the centuries of time that once we receive God in our life and the Holy Spirit in our life, everything is really taken care of, which is a misnomer. It is not taken care of. God only gives us a divine nature to grow in, and also to be an overcomer in. And so with all of these things that we mentioned, think on these things, the new mind is centered upon things that are true and just and lovely and of a good report. But with these things comes responsibility. This is the very thing that many Christians try and do avoid. If you'll notice in the church world, not very many want responsibility. All right, not very many in the natural world want responsibility. 
But question is, what does the Bible say about the believer's responsibility in the use of this new mind which has been given him after the image of his Creator? You see, you have a mind after the image of that one which created you, which was the mind of God. First, the mind of the child of God is to be fully occupied with Christ. Philippians, I just read to you, said, Whatsoever things are true refers to Christ, for Jesus was the one that could say of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is truth. This has remained true for 2,000 years. And then he says, Whatsoever things are are honest refers to him, as it is said of him, In his lips were us no guile. Whatsoever things are just refers to him. The centurion who stood at the cross simply says, Truly, this was a righteous man. Truly, this was the Son of God. I asked, I want to depart from that and add a little humor. I asked a young man one time if he had any idea who that centurion was. And he said, I know who he was. I said, you do? Well, the Bible doesn't mention his name, just says, well, I know who he is, John Wayne. That's who it was. <laughs> and he had evidently saw the crucifixion of Christ, and John Wayne had a little bitty part in there that says, truly, this was the Son of God. So you see, we can get caught up, but at least he figured that he had figured out something anyway about what was happening. But it says, whatsoever things are just refers to God. And there again, the centurion just simply says, truly, this was a righteous man. This was the Son of God. So whatsoever things are lovely refers to him, for he is the altogether lovely. The Songs of Solomon 5.16 talks about that. Whatsoever things are of good report points to him for this phrase simply says, whatsoever, whatsoever is praiseworthy, and certainly the Lord Jesus is worthy of all praise and worthy of all honor. So if we want to enjoy good fellowship with God, we must have this new mind given us by the divine nature of God centered upon God at all times. Whatever we're doing should be a praise and a prayer on our lips. We can go about our walk of life and do this. We can go with our grocery shopping and have your mind on God and ask Him to give you and lead you to the best bargains there is in the store. And on your work, you can say, thank God that I've got a job or thank God that in your house washing dishes, thank God for dirty dishes. They have a story to tell. In other words, you have food to eat. Otherwise than that, you wouldn't have any dirty dishes. And all of these things can be used to keep our mind centered upon God. And once it's centered upon God, why, then we will know that the old mind would not have any place. But the new mind is given to the child of God in order that we may know God. And when the new mind ceases to turn to Him, then the old mind takes over and manifests itself 
And what a cesspool of evil and lust and desires that really is. Language and everything else. When we allow Adam's nature to control us one more time, we become carnal individuals. It can happen. It does happen to Christians. I've said more often than not, most of the Christians that I know of and we just well admit it, are carnal Christians that allow this old Adam nature a place where it does not belong. It does not belong in our thinking. It does not belong in our love. It does not belong in our will. The only thing that belongs there is the heartbeat of God, which has beat for us for 2,000 years and loved us for centuries. You see, God did not make man a new creature so he could understand history. He didn't make man a new creature so he could understand mathematics or languages or physics or medicine. The old Adam's nature is sufficient for that. Some of our greatest scientists are walking after Adam's nature. You see, it is acutely aware that these things can be obtained by Adam's nature. Even after Adam's fall, even after that, they gathered together and said, we are going to build a tower to the sky and we're going to call it Babel. And, of course, God renamed it Babel because it came to confusion. But God said, now then... Man has imagined what he's going to do, and if I don't come down and confuse the language, there is nothing that will be uh, too high for him, as far as the carnal mind is concerned. Look what it has accomplished. Fifty years almost, or twenty-five, it's come from the first flight of the Wright brothers into jet and all of these things into sword fighting to atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs, and it's been the mind of Adam's nature that has created these. So we don't need that to learn from school. God helps us to do that. But the new mind was given because of the deficiency in the area of exercising his mind Godward until we came at the altar of prayer centered our life upon Christ, and the blood of Christ cleansed us, and we were recipients of the grand and glorious power of God in our life from the day of Pentecost on, all of that time, we did not or was not able to exercise our mind Godward. But now then, through the infilling of God's Spirit, we are able to reach into the heavens where God lives and where He dwells and find and feel Him. Hallelujah. I think I'm going to preach now. Praise the Lord. If the child of God, and I'm going to have to have some water, is not exercising his mind Godward, then he cannot know fully full fellowship with God, and he cannot fulfill the purpose for which he was recreated in Christ. You get what I said? You cannot fulfill the purpose 
for which he was created, which we were created in Christ. In other words, the full purpose of God, what he desires out of us until we have really grown in him, cannot in any way be fulfilled. We can speak in tongues, we can shout, we can sing songs, we can have our Bible studies like we're having tonight, we can have glorious services, but until we have reached a full apex of the divine nature ruling our lives, we can never fulfill that purpose which God has ordained that we fulfill as an individual and as a church. The world is waiting on us. The world is waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God, which we should be. People are dying while we play. People are dying while we sit in selfishness. People are dying while there is a laxness in prayer and Bible study and all these things. People are dying out there in the world and desiring for us, the church, to arise and manifest the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. That's what he's after. The Apostle Paul was an outstanding example of this. In Philippians 3.10, he shows us the great impelling, compelling, propelling force in his life. And even as great as he was, as many books that he had already written, and how he had that experience on that road to Damascus, he still had a prayer. A prayer that ought to challenge us. As he says that I may know him. That I might know him. Paul, you don't know him? Listen to what he says. In the power of his resurrection. The apostle Paul certainly knew him in the power of his resurrection. It was there on that road that Christ struck him blind and revealed to him who he actually was. And Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? And there the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom he had fought against, was revealed unto him. And he knew him instantly in the power of his resurrection. You and I know him in the power of a new birth and resurrection. But Paul says, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. I want to understand. I want to suffer as he suffered. And of course, we're never going to be called upon to do the things the Apostle Paul done because that was his life. He was establishing churches. But we are being called upon to suffer. And we are refusing the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are refusing to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering 
And then he says, being made conformable or obedient or submissive unto his death. What are you talking about, Paul? That I might know why he died. That I might know that his death was because of me. That I might really know that. That I might be submissive to him and understand that 2,000 years ago he gave his life for me. That I might understand his death and his suffering. Not only his, his uh, resurrection power, but his suffering. That I might understand those. That I may know him. Paul Christ. That I may know him. Now lest we get conceited, there's not any of us sitting here that has given as much as the Apostle Paul had given. None of us have suffered like that man suffered. And yet there was a cry on his lips that I need to know a little bit more about you, God. I never am able to learn enough. I need to know about you. Now, why was Paul praying this prayer? Because there was something in his spirit at this time made him realize that Jesus was not coming in his day. If you'll notice, on most of the areas that he wrote, his hope and his desires was for Jesus to come in his lifetime and he thought for a while it was possible. But when you read 2 Corinthians, you'll see a change in Paul's attitude. You'll see he's aware now that he is still going to have to suffer some things. And so he says, Lord, the only way that I'll know how to suffer is for me to be acquainted with you in your suffering. You see, he was laying the groundwork for something that was going to happen to him that the Spirit was beginning to reveal to him and he knew that if all he knew was just the power of his resurrection, he could not endure what he had to endure. So he's crying out to the Lord, let me understand your suffering and your death. Why did you die, Lord? And Paul is saying, in a sense, I have to know about this. We ought to say the same thing. Many of us are going to be alive while all of these tumultuous times happen to us, and we're going to be alive. Fact of business is, right now, we can't endure suffering of the body and of the mind and of the soul simply because we have leaped and shouted over the resurrection power of Jesus. But we need to understand about the suffering of Christ. Who did He have in mind? Why was He suffering? And we need to understand that we are called upon to deny human flesh. That's the greatest suffering anybody can ever go through. And yet the Apostle Paul had went through a lot of it. But he said, now then, I know I'm going to be cast into prison. I know I'm going to be called upon to die. But he says, just knowing 
the power of your resurrection will not get me through this. So he said, I have to know a little bit more about you. Oh, saints, what a prayer that man prayed. And how faithless it makes me seem when I'm faced with that and all my murmurings and groaning and complaining makes me realize I really do not know enough about the suffering of Christ to be able to reach in there and understand that He would succor me and give me aid in the times of trouble. Even as God did to that flesh, that I may know Him. How am I going to know Him? By this old mind that was Saul of Tarsus, that thought he was doing God a favor by killing the saints of God, how is he going to know this? By that old mind, God forbid. And neither can we understand anything about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ other than through the new mind, fully occupied with Christ. I can remember when I was called and the Spirit drew me you see, no man can come to Christ. As much as we make up our mind, we are going to do this or that, unless there is something through somebody's prayer and the Spirit of God moves upon that individual and draws him into Christ, nobody can come to Christ. Because the human mind disregards Christ in every way. But I can remember when I was drawn by that great presence of God. I can remember when He covered me with His blood as I lay on the altar and repented out there by an old oil well where I made my altar. Oh, you don't have nice altars like this all the time. But I was working in Reinhard and pumping oil wells and I needed God and something moved on me. And I knew that even though the church was not even here yet, it was still my mother. And people were travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And I fell down by that old oil well. And I began to repent. Tears filled my eyes. And I did a good job of repentance. And I realized it was the blood of Christ that cleansed me. But it wasn't until I received the power of the Holy Ghost in my life and until I sought to know Him did I ever fully realize that awful price He paid for me. I have message after message when that revelation dawned upon me I wrote and penned message after message about what God had revealed to me, about how He suffered, how He suffered in Gethsemane, how He prayed that His will would be taken over by the will of God, 
how angels come and helped him and ministered to him and how he walked out of there and gave himself and they took him by wicked hands and beat upon him and mocked him for life and spit upon him tied him to the whipping post and lacerated him to ribbons and placed that old man and the blood that was shed for me become a reality to me in my life and I'll never forget the fellowship of his suffering as that holy presence of God overshadowed me and I cried my God my God I see it now then it was just something I had heard then I knew from what I'd heard what the blood was. But it wasn't until I cried out, I want fellowship of your suffering. I want a revelation of what you went through. And in my weakest hours, when I was so sick, and I probably told this I don't know how many times, when I was so sick and didn't know whether I was going to live or not, I had preached and sat down on the altar the First Apostolic Church in Rosie Clare. And I looked and somebody came in from the hallway and started down that aisle. I didn't know who it was. I wondered who it was. And then when he got closer to me, I saw an individual that didn't look human. He had been beaten so bad. And Isaiah said his visage was so marred that he did not even look human. And I saw him as he came and walked by me. And I turned and looked. His back was lacerated to ribbons. Not one single piece of flesh was there. And you know what the Word of God said to me? By his stripes ye were healed. Thank God because of His suffering and His back, I opened my life to Him. And it wasn't long after that till I received it. But not until I saw the fellowship of His suffering being made obedient and submissive to His death. It wasn't until I said, God, I don't understand it. It doesn't look like there's any healing for me. But I'll go to my grave trusting you anyway. Believing in you anyway. Being made submissive. Hallelujah. The child of God will never fulfill the purpose for which he was born again until his mind is exercised toward God. Always, always smile on her face in her mystery, murmuring and complaining God, 
realizing that we are just not open to the powers of the enemy to do anything for us. Whatever is happening to us, we should have strength enough to believe that this is God that has taken us by the hand and leading us through the darkness and we might come to eternal life even greater. But we fail to realize that. Second, we find the Word of God reveals that which will sustain the new mind. First Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes, newborn babes, just born by His Spirit. These are the sins here, milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. And could I be brave enough to say, that we should not, any of us here, be newborn babes. How long has it been since you received God's Spirit and you cried, Abba, Father? How long has it been? And yet, we're still on baby food? We're still in diapers or pull-ups? Maybe some of us, as one lady said, she, she told my daughter, when she's talking about growth and what I'd ministered on at Blue Buck Ministries, she said, and she said, well, I guess I'm in pull-ups now. My daughter said, no, I think you're in depends. <laughs> okay, maybe some of us are there. Leave that with you. I can't second guess who you are. The Word of God is spiritual food to promote growth. Why does God feed us? Why do you feed your child? How did you raise your children? What was on your mind when this bouncing baby boy or girl came into this world screaming and hollering? What was on your mind? I am going to do my best to raise that child and give it a proper diet and provide it some clothes and I'm going to see that it gets the best that there is until it gets to manhood and I want to see it healthy. That's what you had in mind, wasn't it? Well, that's what God had in mind when you were birthed. And that's why He gave us a mother which is the church. So when we are born of the Spirit, and we have a little bouncing baby boy or girl come screaming in our midst, and that's been a long time, and I am so hungry to see that, that I don't really don't know what to do. I can't hardly uh, contain myself when I think of, of what it was like. Well, I've seen it time and time again when individuals come at the altar, they repent, and then there is a new birth, and they begin to say, Dad, Dad, they begin to say, Abba, Father, oh, what a glorious thing it is. There's a baby we've given birth to, thank God. And now my attention is on them. I can't look at me anymore. I have to look at that baby. I've got to raise it right. That's what God had in mind. You see, the same truth is presented to us even in the Old Testament. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. <laughs> Jeremiah says, I found your words, Lord. 
I did eat them, and thy word was unto me joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Way back there, Jeremiah says, I found your word. What did he have? He didn't have this whole Bible like we've got. All he had was the scrolls. He didn't even have what he'd written. <laughs> okay, he didn't even have that. All he had was the Pentateuch. All he had was the songs of Solomon. And there was Job. And uh, there, was, uh, there was Psalms and all of those. And there, there was the uh, everything. That's all he had. But he said, I found your word. And once I found it, I did eat them. <laughs> Hallelujah, I eat them. And then I digested them. And then I had joy and rejoicing. The child of God that saturates his mind with the Word of God will be strengthened in such a way that the old mind which is the Adamic nature, will be kept from controlling his thoughts and his actions. How important it is to have a song in your heart and the Word of God. I think the psalmist David said, Thy Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. You have to know the Word. It's not the Word that you have bound in a nice black cover that's going to keep you necessarily. It's not the words that you have underlined in your Bible that's going to sustain you and protect you. But it's the Word of God that you have stored in your mind, this divine mind of God that will sustain you in the days of tribulation. I know so many people falter and fall when tribulation comes because we are not sustained by the Word of God. I'm having a hard time getting through this new mind. I'm going to wrap this up right now. Okay? Beginning next week, we find the Apostle Paul speaks of the defense of the mind. Defending this new mind that you have against this old Adam nature which is, which is well, I can't say that. Some of you can, but I can't. This old Adam nature is 77 years old almost. But this new nature is 50 almost years old in June. April. I should be farther along than I am. I thank God for where I'm at. But there's something inside of me that with the Apostle Paul that I may know him. That I may understand him. 
that I might be made conformable or submissive to his death or to his suffering, that I might understand what it is. That is something all of us is going to have to do. And we can never get past a place where we say, I don't have to fight anymore. We get to the place to where we have won a battle and overcome. And then there's another one. Always a fight. Because these two natures never agree on any one thing. So if this old nature of yours wants you to do something, well then you better get your mind cleared of that old person and understand. You go home tonight, you'll have a battle. You ever try to pray? You wonder, where you at, God? Well, we know where he's at. The only thing is, we're in a battle. The powers of hell had set up a wall and defied us to get through it. And so we become a little bit weary because we just don't float into the heavenlies. And we say, well, I guess maybe I'll just quit for now when there'll be a better time. And when all the time we should know there's an enemy out there. He don't like where you're at. He don't like what you're praying for. And he's going to resist you as much as it's in him. He will resist you. But I guess the complete story is this. As long as we feed him, he'll be strong. When we quit feeding him, he'll be weak. I thank God. We've always known, and yet, I'm trying to quit. Continuing to close. I'm always knowing that there was a God, and I'm always knowing that there has been a battle. But I've really never known until God started revealing these to me. I've never really known what it entailed and how I could successfully win the battle against it. And if we don't know anything, we can't fight it. And if we don't know the Word of God, even then, if we know it, we can't fight it. So what do we do? We learn from experience. And we understand how weak we really are when it comes to finding the will of God. My prayer is that such a few as we have, that God is preparing His people, His remnant, for something great. When it's going to happen, I don't know. And whether we're involved in it is completely up to us. It's not because God is not trying us and not teaching us. It's simply because 
we don't seem to be aware of how things are. Have you ever seen how the church world reacts? We in the new creature in Christ know that God's laws are for us. But the flesh disregards these laws. And when we want to do something, well, then the flesh tells us like it told Eve, it's all right, not a big deal. And so we go ahead and do it. And then we try to give God credit for us doing it when it's completely against His laws. And we feel good about doing it. And the devil has won one of the greatest victories that he'll ever win when he tries to make you think what he thought was what God thought. Oh, saints, we ought to be bigger than that. God bless you. All right. Praise the Lord.